David Spada is a successful attorney whose dream was to become a sports talk show host. Elliot Harris is a Chicago sports columnist who wanted to expand his media presence. In the next hour, they combine their talents and love of sports and women by interviewing former professional athletes and lovely ladies on sports and torts. But keeping the boys out of trouble isn't always easy because when David and Elliot are together, they have more fun than should be legal. Welcome to another edition of Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com with David Spada and Elliot Harris. David couldn't make it to the studio. He's busy working for a living. But we do have a couple of interviews with two pro football Hall of Famers, both tackles, Bob St. Clair and Ron Yeary. Bob St. Clair played for the San Francisco 49ers and may be most memorable for eating raw meat. Anyway, here's our interview with Bob St. Clair. I see that you uh, went to University of San Francisco. I know you're from San Francisco. Was there any other college you were looking at back at that time, or was it basically I'm going to San Francisco since I'm from San Francisco? No, there were other colleges and everything, but I was married at the time, and they would give me an allowance to live off campus. So I had a you know, housing allowance. So Plus it was home and everything else. And I was just raising the family. I had one child at the time, and then, yeah, so my wife was pregnant and everything, so it was just... It was just one of those, you know, family things. Was it common for players to get housing allowances back then? I really don't know. I have no idea. I never even thought about it. <laughs> no, I you know, it was just a housing allowance. Instead of living on, see, otherwise I could live on the bar- in, in on the campus there. They had the, the old barracks, and a lot of the guys would live there, you know, from out of the area, or they weren't married and so forth. But I would get the equivalent of, what that would, you know, the value of that. So it wasn't very much. It was just, you know, something anyway. So it wasn't right there on the ocean with a nice ocean view and you could walk out to the beach. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you had some great players on that San Francisco team. You, Ali Matson, Gino Marchetti, and Dick Stanfeld. I mean, did you realize how talented that team was? No, not at the time. Well, we thought we were pretty good once we started winning, you know, beating these other teams. Uh, we had a lot of confidence in ourselves. We had a great coach, Joe Kuharik, who later coached for the Redskins, you know, could coach at Notre Dame, coached to the, uh, you know, at, for the Redskins, excuse me. And, yeah, we thought, you know, and one of our, there's three of us that are in the Hall of Fame, football-wise. Gino, like you mentioned, Gino, myself, and Ali Matson, but there's a fourth in the Hall of Fame that was one from our same class. He was our publicist. He didn't go in as a football player, but he went in as one of the team members. That was Pete Rozelle. Did you realize when you were there how great of a football mind Pete Rozelle had? I had no idea. No, he was just you know one of the classmates. <laughs> he, he's a, I mean, he was probably one of the top publicists of all time there because he took the National Football League and just it basically exploded under his leadership. Oh sure, no, no question about it. Oh yeah, he was great. He was, you know, but I had no idea at that time. He was just a classmate. 
<laughs> Those had to be some practices with you on one side of the ball, and then you had Gino Marchetta in the other. Did you guys match up against each other? Yeah, very seldom they would do that. You know, they, they were, we had the blood pit, as Eric would call it, two cement posts that were wrapped in canvas and you know cushioned, and enough for just one person to to, to get through. And we get a three-point stance on each side, and he'd hike the ball, and you just battle your way through their hands, and there it almost it was almost like a fist fight. <laughs> but no, Gino and I didn't do that much there. Thank God. <laughs> how good of how good of a player was Ali Matson? Oh, outstanding. You know, the interesting thing is he was such an offensive you know threat, but he made All American. His last year there in 1951, he was an All-American on defense because he, he played both offense and defense. We all did in those days, but he made it on defense. Isn't that something? Yeah, I mean, it he was, was a, because basically was a, you had to know both sides of the ball being that you were playing both sides. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Where did you play on defense? I was a defensive end. And did Gino go both ways also? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Gino went both ways. Sure. And then you had another player who I think should be in the Hall of Fame, Dick Stanfield, on those teams. Oh, yeah. A great, a great player. You know, offensive guard for the Detroit Lions. Oh, yeah. He was a great blocker. He was really good. What I don't get is I know he was up for the Hall of Fame last year with the Veterans Committee, and it seems like when you're, the veterans nominate you, you tend to get in. I don't get how he's been nominated twice by the veterans and not gotten in. That's the problem. Yeah. That's the problem. We've been yelling, and we in the Hall of Fame, I've been in it for 20 years, we in the Hall of Fame have just been screaming about that. He had a special committee to go out, and, you know, the, the, we call it the senior committee, and to pick the guys back in the days when I played in the 50s and so forth. And once that committee comes up with a recommendation, you would think it would be automatically stamped and, and sent through. But this has not been the case. And, you know, some, you know, just some, you know I, I just don't get it. Him and Jerry Kramer make no sense. They were two of the premier yeah, right. nine men of their times. And, the like you said, the senior committee puts them on the ballot, and they should be rubber stamped. And those guys twice have been on it and haven't gotten in. Yeah, I know it. I know it. Jerry's another one. Yeah, I, I remember. I I had to play against Jerry. I know how good he was. <laughs> Gino gave me fits. He, well, he gave everybody fits. Gino Marchetti, whoa. Oh, at that time. You know, go ahead. But, the, but we had a block. You know, we couldn't, you know, put our hands out to our sides and block. We had a whole, we had to, you know, have our fists against our chest and block like that. We couldn't use our hands, so... It was really tough to get these quick guys, quick, strong, fast guys. And then you had another player on that team who went on to become an NFL referee in uh, Tovar. Tola, Burl Tola. He, see, when, when Pete Rizal became the commissioner, the first thing he did, one of his first things, he uh, you know, made Burl Tola an NFL, the first black NFL referee. Did he get a lot of criticism when he did that? Well, I don't know that. He could have. I, I have no idea. I don't think he did. I remember going out in the field, <laughs> like in Cleveland or New York when we were playing back there, and I'd come up behind and burrow, you know, and hug him, and he didn't look at me the first couple of times. 
no, you can't do that. You can't do that. <laughs> when he called the holding penalty on it, did you ever say, what are you doing? You're my buddy. Yeah. Oh, I know it. I know it, yeah. How good was it? Was, How good was that 51 it, team? I think man for man, we could have beat anybody. I, I really do. We were, I, you know, we just, we never really had a chance. And why was that? Well, well the point, point is uh, we never had a chance to know one to play us. The year before, we had played Stanford and Cal, and they had beaten us. But we almost beat Cal that year, and they went to the Rose Bowl uh, in 1950. And so in 1951, we thought we'd be able to play them again. No way, they didn't want any part of us. <laughs> and, it, was it be, and was part of the reason was because you had black players on your team? No, had nothing to do with that. Not oh. here on the coast. Oh, okay. Nothing. That was just that they they felt that we were that good, and uh, you know, you know, they were supposed to. You know, it, it's a no-win situation for them. They were supposed to beat us, but the and if they lost, you know, it'd be really a, a, a black eye to them. Frank Gifford didn't want to look bad, so he basically probably told USC, "Let's not play him." That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, well, they're making a movie, you know, out of our team. And who's going to be in the movie? Well, Gino and I are going to be in it, and I know that. I'm not sure who else. Mike and me, we'll be at the bar. <laughs> so that was my buddy here. So did you film your part yet, or you know you're going to be no, in it? No, it'll be in, uh, at the end of May. Uh, they're bringing me back to Utah. That's where they're doing a lot of filming. I filmed certain, certain little aspects of it in San Francisco at Kizar Stadium where they named the stadium after me there and I I, I did that already so what so what did but, they film what did they film at the stadium oh just a lot the old locker room and that kind of stuff and just the nostalgic stuff in the days when I played there I played 189 games there how did it feel when you got that stadium named after you really an honor I mean I'm Usually you have to be dead before they name anything after you. I was had to look in the mirror the next morning and say, "Geez, do I look that bad?" How did they end up picking Utah to film that movie? I mean, you got San Francisco. It's a matter of finances. They evidently uh, the state of Utah is very, very, you know, uh, reasonable as far as dealing with these movie studios. Very, you know, they really do, go out of their way to, do, to give my break. That 51 team, you never got a chance to play for the national championship. Is that correct? Correct, yeah. What happened was, well, it wouldn't be a national championship. I think it was, we were going to play, we were <clears throat> going to play uh, Georgia Tech in the Orange Bowl. And, but when we got the invitation, uh, the coach said, uh, well, what do you, what do you guys want to do? We said, we, you want to have, we'll have, we have a meeting. And then, so we don't even have to have a meeting, coach. We were not going to go for this. This is crazy. We're not doing this. You know, our two players, we don't care what color they were. What the hell? That was a slap in our face. What are you talking about? Uh, they, 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 obviously, they wanted us to lose, we thought. So they would. They, <laughs> they, don't, they don't want Ali Matson to play or Tovar? Or Tovar, Beryl Tovar, yeah. And who made that decision? Nope. Was that the NCAA or was that the... No, no, no. No, evidently the bowl committee... And, and this was very prevalent in those days. That that kind of attitude. It was, a, in fact, they were told. I think one of our officials were told that this is very common, in, you know, in the South, that all the bowls, you know, 
don't accept black players. Which so. doesn't which doesn't make sense because you had Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier four years earlier. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was baseball. I guess I don't know. When you got when you got drafted by the 49ers, what was that like? Well, I was I was went to Tulsa University. That was my last year because they were the only that was the only league that would recognize a transferee. I had a, because you always have to drop football because they couldn't afford to you know field the team anymore uh, after we refused to uh, play in the game. But anyway, because it, that would have been enough funding to last us for a few years. But what happened was now we <coughs> I I, got, I went back to Tulsa University. They, they recognized me as, you know, a transferee without having to sit out a year. So this is what I was interested in. I played the year back there. And then when I was finished, when I was drafted by the 49ers, I received a call from the owner, Tony Morbido, and he said, Bob, boy, we are so happy to have you, a local kid like you, playing, you know, you were in Polytechnic High School, University of San Francisco, and now with the 49ers, you know, he, he says, you're a perfect fit here. He said, we're going to give you a little more money than we do the average rookie. We're going to give you $5,000. <laughs> oh, excuse me, 5500 It was 5500 And I said, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Barbino, I can't accept that. The only reason I said that is that the guard next to me had just signed the contract with Green Bay for 6000 so I thought that was the figure. And I didn't want to look like a piker, so... He hangs up the phone. He goes, God damn it. He hangs up the phone. And I had to wait a week back in Tulsa there. Finally, I get the phone call. He says, listen, St. Clair, you better be as good as you think you are. We're going to give you the extra 500. Your, your <laughs> wife was probably ready to kill you when she heard you did that. Oh, she wanted to come home. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> With San Francisco, who made the decision not to play, the university or did you, the players? Well, we did. We we said we weren't going to play. Period. How was None the of the guys? Would... How was the coach with that decision in the administration? Oh yeah, fine. No way. We're not going to play. It's just crazy. So, like I said, it was an insult. So we you know, all stood very. The band, the brothers, stood together. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Bob St. Clair. We will be back after a short break with Ron Yeri. You are listening to Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com. <laughs> 